Freedom is a term with multiple meanings that deserves a dictionary of its own, composed of more than 7 billion entries, one for each inhabitant of the earth. I think of the work it would be to bring together the different interpretations, since many of the definitions would expire in a short time as the perception of each person would change throughout time. It's a beautiful passage from your book, Punkast Day. I'm here with Richard Wigan, Darth Ryru. Thank you for, for joining me on, on, on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom in, in this book, Punkast Day. That was a passage you wrote on the concept of freedom. And um, thank you. Thank you for, for coming on today. Oh, thank, thank you for having me, man. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a pleasure and it's kind of wild how our path uh, kind of like cross and I'm, I'm super grateful, man, because I'll be honest all this time on the internet, you know, until I actually met you, I was just taking so much shit. And then you came in and you're like, Hey, I resonate with you. And then we start talking and, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to be here at your podcast. And, um, thank you for reading that part of the book. Um, it's probably one of my favorites too, freedom, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And how has how has your definition of, of freedom changed over time? Uh, I know you've definitely thought a lot about it and experienced it firsthand. And uh, I'm curious what you what you think of it now, now that you've um, sure you've grown since writing this. And, and I bet this has changed a lot over time from when you were young to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it's like if freedom it's uh, um i don't know like for for some reason and and you read on my book you know like i i talk a lot about trauma and trauma it's it's a real thing you know especially emotionally and spiritually it, it's a real thing and you kind of feel like you are in a prison inside of yourself you know i actually was uh, i I, I had a really long talk to my brother yesterday and which reminds me of you know when i was a kid we have one of those master locks that we lost. We lost the code and I was playing with it. And one day I kind of crack it open. And it was kind of like this in life for me, you know, like I was looking for freedom because like I just felt like shit inside, you know, it didn't matter what I did, uh, what I achieved. I just felt like shit inside and felt exactly like a lock or like a prison, you know. And then one day the shit just clicked. And he opened, you know, and then when I opened, like I found freedom, meaning like all that emotional weight and it was, it just kind of like start melting down and, and it changed uh, uh, with time. But I got to the point now that is almost in the beginning, it almost feels weird. You're like, okay, I'm not paranoid and I'm not like worry about it and i'm not you know like i feel good i look in the mirror i feel good and then it's like what is that feeling i haven't had that feeling before i used to look at the mirror and hate myself and then now i look at the mirror like yeah i'm a pretty cool guy you know like i i kind of dig what i did in life and things like that so it is a weird situation <laughs> it's kind of like for 33 years, I felt like shit, and then now, like, I feel like a kid again, and I feel like I can love myself again, and and that's freedom. I think that's freedom. It's not necessarily doing all that you want, but it's a matter of pursuing. I think, like, I think freedom is be able to pursue your dreams. Well said, and your story is really an expression of that, I feel. I know when, when you were young, you were growing up in Brazil, your father was an American, your mother was Brazilian, so you were um, put in a difficult situation, it seemed like, and then adding on top of that, you just wanted to listen to punk rock and, and skateboard, and society was saying, no, you can't do that. So you had, you had quite, a, quite a lot of people kind of clamping down, you know, everything that you wanted to do and to be, the things that naturally lit up, lit up your soul, and yet... Despite that, you went and, and, and pursued your passions and, and, and did what you enjoy. What was, what was that like growing up, having to deal with all that bullshit? Man, it, it, was, it was insane, man. And it was like, dude, like, I, I, you know, like for a long time, I was really trying to understand. But 
it, the thing is, it got it's kind of like a mind fuck after a while. You know what I mean? Like it, you have all these authority authority figures as as a kid. You know, is either your parents or friends' parents, and you know, so on and so forth, and school teachers, and and all of that just telling you like you are basically you know a piece of shit, and. And that, after a while, start like smashing in your head. It's like, dude, I just want to skateboard. And punk rock really, and heavy metal really makes me feel good, lighted up my soul. And I started to get in the spiral of like, well, maybe I am evil, you know? And then you, I went to Catholic school and in Catholic school, you keep listening. Like, first of all, you see Jesus everywhere and they will look it down on you on crosses and shit. And then... You you have all these people saying like, hey, you are kind of like a criminal for skateboarding, you know, like the music you listen, it's evil and all of that. And then you start like, well, maybe this is what I am, you know, maybe I am evil. And, you know, it started getting to a spiral that I was like, you know, like I was taking so much shit that I I started eating, you know, like I, uh, I, I mean, I'm fortunately and grateful for the family I have, even with all the problems that you read in the book, I'm grateful because, you know, they taught me like, I, I understood early in life that, you know, drugs were not necessarily my my thing, but I didn't know how to deal with the stuff. So food became my drug, you know, like as I stayed on a, on a, on a book that my first drug was white bread with ketchup because dealing with those emotions, I started eating and eating and eating. So in the end, he ended up being the same thing, you know, like as as a drug addict, but in just in a, in acceptable way by society, you know, like, yes, I was a chubby kid, but then I was just a chubby kid, you know, like I wasn't evil or anything like that. I was just, oh, it is what it is. He's a chubby kid. And, you know, which that generates even more problem because you're not picked for for teams in s- school and nobody wants to really play with you and uh, and things like that. Um, but then I started to manage. Uh, I tried to go to to get a band, and which that made it better. But at the same time, uh, I remember after my <laughs> my second concert i got out of stage and people was like man you're gonna end up in prison singing what you're singing and i was like what my songs are just like fun and like why i gotta end up in prison and that also gets in in your mind you know like so it was it was emotionally i i had like i had a i usually say i had a privileged uh childhood in terms of play and safety, you know, like I didn't have to deal uh, with a whole lot of wars and things like that, even though Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, it can be a, a, a little bit violent. And uh, many a times I woke up with gunfights and things like that. But in general, you know, I had a really privileged uh, childhood, but emotionally was fucked up, you know, was fucked up because, you know, you're just kids and you listen to all of that. And you start assuming that you you are actually evil, you know, like you there is something wrong with you. And on top of that, I didn't fit it in, you know, like my kids were listening to uh, my friends on that time. Where they were listening to, I don't know, uh, um, kind of like bleepy nowadays, you know, like one of those kids uh, uh, show persons. And I was into ACDC, Iron Maiden, so like I never really fit in with them. Uh, uh, so kind of like it became like a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a, a sense for that. I wonder what what is the way that we, you know, shape our, our outer world and our experience to kind of mirror our, our inner world. Like when there's a lot of chaos in my soul, I, I sort of like more more chaos around me. Like I love more chaotic music it almost like harmonizes me in a way where I can like I'll go train Muay Thai on a heavy bag where I'm just slamming some punches and elbows and kicks and, and I like to listen to Rage Against the Machine and music that's more hardcore and it, it helps me it like helps calm me out and where not everyone not everyone has that sort of chaos inside them um, in a way it's it's a gift and a curse because I think you can tap into that chaos and I think 
you maybe learned how to do that later on in your life as, as you went on to to 18 Ironman triathlons. Um, early on in life, were you able to tap into the gift aspect of, of that chaos at all? Or was it mostly kind of learning with how to um, deal with sort of the curse? Uh, well, at first, man, I'll be honest, I was trying to survive, you know, because all the way until you read that until 15, 16 years old, like I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, you know, like I remember going down on uh, uh, on the street with my skateboard, going as fly as you can, and then I'm looking, well, the red light is about to turn light, uh, turn red, like, should I stop or should I go and just end it, all of this, you know, at once, all this pain, and then, uh, so it, it was kind of chaotic, but music really, really, uh, uh, really helped me, and it's funny that you said that, because there's a book called The Secret History of Rock and Roll, which it comes from like Asian, like Egyptian stuff, you know, the history of it. And some of the gods there, they used to say like that listening to music will calm uh, his anger down and will make him, you know, uh, uh, be better or whatever you want to put it in. And music started really to, to get into this. And one song called Judgments of Heaven by Iron Maiden, uh, which he says, you know, it clearly says that, you know, uh, uh, suicide is the easy way, is the selfish way. And those lyrics really touch my soul in a way of like, okay, that's not the answer. So what's the answer from that? And from there, I kind of, you know, came across with the Ramones and I became a punk. I was like, man, this is it, you know, like punk rock, it's it's my thing. And the music started to bump me up and I changed school. I literally, you know, was, I was bullied on the, the other school. And then in the second school, I, uh, I was like, you know, history is not going to repeat itself here. So one day, even though I didn't know anybody, I show up with a very offensive shirt and said like, you know what, if you guys want to fight, let's fucking do this. <laughs> you know, I went crazy, but that kind of gave you know some people started respect me on that and then i started having i start i stopped having trouble and uh and it went it went from there you know and that's when music really started to to makes more sense to me but i have no idea what to do with my life you know like and i was about to i gotta change i gotta choose a college and i gotta you know be a responsible man and all of that stuff and so I, you know, like I didn't tap into the to the blessing of that curse until I was about 22, 23, when listening to another Iron Maiden song uh, called Wildest Dreams. Because as a kid, I always wanted to be an athlete. I mean, I wanted to do something physical. And I, I, I thought about playing basketball many times uh, for the wrong reasons, but, you know, basketball just... Just the movement made me feel good. So I was, uh, I, you know, when I was about 23, listened to Biodest Dream by Iron Maiden, and I was like, what if I follow that childhood dream of being an athlete, you know? like, Because being an athlete became a dream when I was about, you know, when I was fat. I was like, I didn't want to be the fat chubby kid anymore, you know? And... But I could never do it. But at 23, I was studying business and I was like, you know what? Screw this. This is making my, my torment even worse. So I was like, what if I start running again? And then that's when I, <clears throat> that's when I started running. Next thing I know, I got a tri bike. And next thing I know, uh, I was, I remember the day I bought the bike, you know, I was, I, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes on that time. And I went to the store smelling like cigarettes with a windy shirt because I, you know, I had just gotten out of work smelling like hamburgers and shit. And the guys looked to me he's like, do you know what an Iron Man is? So I was like, yeah, just give me the fucking bike. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And that's when I started tapping into the blessing of the curse. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you were living in America at that time too, right? You had moved to Florida from, from Brazil? Yes, I, I left Brazil. Well, first of all, I graduated in high school, which is, that's, that's important. Like I had so much hard time to, in high school. 
that I flunked three years, so I ended up graduating at 20 years old, uh, <laughs> kind of late. But uh, I then I went to I started college in Brazil, in my first year in 2001. That's when I said, like, you know what, I I need to I need to get out of here. I need to do something different. Then I went to Florida because uh, my brother lives there, and uh, and my my dad was a my dad's American. He was born in New Jersey, but I don't have the Jersey accent, of course. But he was born in New Jersey and he lived in Brazil. So I told him like, hey, I wanna I wanna go to US and kind of like live on my own and kind of figure out my shit. And then I moved to Florida. I started working and two jobs at the time. And I was, uh, and then I started to go back to school in U.S. And then I was like, man, no, this is, this is not it, man. You know, like it's not business my thing. It's like I, I'm not, I wasn't born for this. And, and then I was like, okay, I need to make a change. And then that's when, like, one day I actually biking to work because I didn't have a car. Uh, so I was biking to work, listening to Wildest Dream by Iron Maiden, and then that's when I decided to to start uh, following a dream. I was like, this is way better than a nine to five job, way better than college. And, you know, you out, you out there in the sun, you know, swim, biking and run, make me feel like a kid again. And, and then I was like, maybe I can do this. Uh, I thought like, well, first I can be something like motivational from losing a hundred pounds to do an Ironman. But, um, but they ended up, you know, having a dream before my first Ironman, and I decided to follow that dream and see where where life was gonna get me. <laughs> wow, yeah. So just to just to paint the picture, you're twenty. You're in your early twenties. You had just left Brazil, moved to America, weren't enjoying your your business school. You were working at Wendy's, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, and you just walk into a bike shop and you say, "Give me that bike. I'm gonna I'm gonna do." an iron man yeah it's, it's pretty incredible <laughs> how did you how do you even get the idea to do an iron man did, did you have friends who were talking about it did you read about it somewhere? you know like when i was uh when i was about 16 years old i used to run early in the morning you know because like, i was always like i need to lose weight you know because i shove in my mouth with food but at the same time i was like i want to be fit you know and i want to feel good so i I ran, you know, I used to run early in the morning and things like that. And one day my brother brought me a, 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 a surf magazine where there was a Brazilian athlete that had just got a third place in Kona with Ironman. And then, uh, and then I read that. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, like swim, bike and run. And I was doing that for basketball practice and to lose weight and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So when I fast forward to like my 20s, when when I was, when I, you know, when I was really depressed and looking to change my, my life, I, I started Googling about Ironman. And that's when I noticed that some athletes, uh, they have really good performers, even, even though they are like 35, 40 years old. And then I said like, well, if I'm starting late, uh, that's probably the sport that I have the biggest shot to actually do something and live for it. And that's where I was like, and Ironman, it was kind of like ironic already in my path. And I already had that interesting, even though I hated swimming and I was scared shitless of the ocean, even though I surf, but when you're swimming, you have nothing to hold on to it. So I was always like a little scared, but that, you know, like, also, you know, uh, facing my, my fear, he actually, uh, he actually helped. Uh, uh, he actually kind of pumped me up. So kind of like I use it, the whole chaotic thing in my favor, you know. And that's why I say anger is an energy because I was really angry at myself and I was trying to figure out why I was angry to myself. And that's when I was like, you know what, you know, let's just go crazy and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big, did that feel at the time, the decision to, to engage with buying a bike, training many, many hours a day, putting in many, many miles and training, just, just diving into that. Was that, were you 
scared at all? Did you have a lot of anxiety around there? Or was it more exciting and energizing and, and something that you were just like, yes, let's it go. It was more energi energizing, you know, like it, it's funny because college and school and all of that, that gave me a lot of fear and anxiety and uh, 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 that, you know, like it didn't have a sense of purpose for me. Like it, it didn't make sense, you know. And when I started doing Ironman and when I started to train, it was like, it pumped me up because I was trying to, because the thing is like, I got the bike. And then after that, I went back to Brazil, you know, to try a, a different college and to do therapy, you know, because I was having a hard time and my family said like, Hey, you know what, why don't you come back and do therapy? And then that sound good for me on that time. And so I was saving money to go back to Brazil and so I was working at Wendy's during the day and I was waiting tables at night at Chili's and I will finish that and I will go to the beach to go for a run uh, or even go to the YMCA early in the morning before even Wendy's to swim, to learn how to swim and get over the fear. So it was a lot of exciting, man, because I wasn't sleeping that much, but I was always like... My soul was waking me up, okay, let's do this, you know, like there is a higher purpose for that for me, you know, there is a sense of purpose for me on that. So I was waking up and, you know, like, uh, and swimming, and it's it's funny because I remember a few scenes that I, uh, uh, in my head, you know, like, that I went for the YMCA, I swam like 2,000 yards and sat down in a car and I smoked a cigarette after that. I'm like, how stupid is this? But... <laughs> <laughs> like I, I need to to kind of figure out how to quit and shit like that. But I was like, at least I'm doing it. You know, I'm feeling good about myself, and I gotta start somewhere. Even though it's kind of like stupid to swim and then destroy your lungs afterwards. <laughs> wow. At what point did you stop? Did you stop smoking, or did you just continue to to smoke cigarettes like throughout your Ironman career? Oh, no, no. I stopped smoking uh, a little bit before I went back to Brazil. Uh, I actually started, I actually said, like, you know what? I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Let's, let me lower one cigarette a day. And then I started doing that until I got to one cigarette a day. And I remember I bought the package. And then I was like, why the fuck did I buy this? I'm doing one a day. I threw it out and I never smoked again. Wow. Nice. I smoke okay, weed so now, but that's a different story. I don't <laughs> think that's a drug, and I don't think uh, well, that's a very long story. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we can get to that point too. Um, yeah. Cool. So you are starting to train Ironman, and you're also quitting smoking, and you're, you're dealing with a lot of the emotional turbulence. At at what point did you? How long did it take you? to train, to ramp up to the first race that you, that you were into, because it, the Ironman isn't like an easy thing. It's, it's like, isn't it 100 miles biking, um, a full marathon and how many miles do you swim? 2.4. It's 2.4 miles swim, 112 bike and 26.2 run, like a, a full marathon. Wow. Um, unbelievable. So <laughs> yeah, that's not not for the faint of heart. Not an easy thing to do. How, how long did you train to be able to to be able to do that? Especially from the starting point you're at, because you weren't starting from someone who was like fit or athletic. Really, you were you were kind of poisoning yourself in a lot of ways, and, and you went from yeah. that to a very difficult athletic achievement. Yeah, and I, and I believe I had no talent whatsoever for it. <laughs> My only talent is attitude. I tell everybody that's the only talent that I have is attitude, but. <laughs> You know, it was, I went back to Brazil February of 2004. As soon as I got back, I started to train a little bit more because, you know, I was going back to school. So I had a lot of free time. And uh, uh, so my life was technically therapy and, uh, and training. So I started to train and I was like, oh, I need to do a triathlon. You know, like I never done a triathlon. Like I need to do one before I even think about an Ironman. Because on that time, Ironman was just like something far away and not achievable and then i uh, uh i started training then no race was coming coming like in a good date i either had a test in school or something was going on and never fitted in until one day 
a freaking half Ironman show up. And then I was like, half Ironman, I, I don't think I can do it. And my brother said, like, you know what? I sponsor you for that. I was like, are you serious? Like, I will pay for your hotel and I will pay for your entry fee. And then I will, uh, you can use my car to get to the race. So I was like, you know what? This is it. So I went there and did a half Ironman and I finished with no coaching. Like I had nothing, like I understood nothing about the sport. Even my cycling shoes was my running shoes. I didn't even have like proper cycling shoes. And that race, I actually met a lady that was a coach. And then I told her like, listen, I have no money. I depend on my mom. I'm 24 years old. I depend on my mom. So she gave me a deal. She said like, you know what? Whenever you can start paying, then you pay me. I was like, okay. And then I started training with her. And then I told her, like, listen, you got my full dedication here. If you want me to do 10 one miles repeat, I'll do 12. You know, like I'm very dedicated. And then that's how it started. And then January, I think was October 2004. So like, you know what? Fuck, I'm going to sign up for an Ironman. So I signed up for an Ironman. Then 2005, May 2005, I did my first one, which sucked. But... I completed, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was basically a year and a half, which is not the recommended for someone that with the background I had, but (laughs) it worked out for me. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. How did that feel? Uh, At what point did you, did you, did you ever regret what you were doing? Like on mile, you know, 100, where you're just like, what? Oh man, I, I got out of the, the, the swim. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like I had no business to, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's no business for me to be here. So I started cycling and I swear I, I threw up like 13 times, not only because of the, the nervous I was, but also because uh, um, I ate too much, you know, like I I had a nutritionist and stuff like that. And back in the days, the, the back in the days, I think it, all the way to today, the current like the current mainstream recommendation for Ironman is 200 to 400 calories an hour. And boy, uh, that was just not good for me. And I was afraid of hitting the wall, so I was getting all the carbs that I needed and I was putting it out. It was in and out, in and out. And then I delivered the bike and then I started running. And my mom saw me like all the puke in my shirt here on my shoulders, you know, because at the bike, I didn't stop. I puke and I kept going. (laughs) And then uh, she's like, why don't you stop? I'm like, no, I'm going to go all the way to the end. But in my mind, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous, man. But... The fight, you know, between me and my demons telling me to stop and all of that, it was actually pumping me up. I ended up walking the whole marathon. Like my marathon time was the same as my bike time, like six hours and a bit. But I finished. And when I finished, I felt like the weight of that emotional pain kind of lifted quite a bit. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I was like, I finished and I was like, well... That's pretty badass, you know, 140, 140.6 miles in one day under 14 hours for the first time is not too shabby. And that's when I started like things started to shift over there uh, mentally for me. Wow. Yeah. That is an incredible achievement. And how did how did that shape the way you engage with life after you had that? experience under your belt after you had been battling your your demons for 14 hours and prevailed you made it across the finish line despite puking while you were cycling just for 13 times and and continuing onward despite all that did you were you able to sort of tap into a a deeper sense of self or a a stronger awareness of who you are and what you're meant to be like a a, was there a fire lit inside you after that yeah, yeah the, it was a fire inside totally because I finished and I was like, okay, I got to do another one. You know, like I got to do another one properly and uh, and I wanted to understand more of this feeling, you know, like, but it felt like anything was possible. That That's exactly like, of like, okay, if you put your mind into something, 
that's really possible. If if I can go from 260 pounds to finish an Ironman, it's like how much more can I achieve? How far can I go? And that really like changed the way I saw life big time. First, because the the, the emotion, the the physical pain actually helped the emotional pain, like to kind of heal the emotional pain, and and also gave me a sense of confidence. You know, it gave me a self esteem that I fucking never had in life. You know, like I always thought I was a piece of shit, but like now I was a piece of shit, but an Iron Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then things really started to come around it's like ah, i mean that's that's pretty cool and it's and it's cool because even though i you know i was a beginner and stuff like that i actually got you know uh, uh one sponsor for my first uh iron man which they gave me uh some money and they put the name on the shirt and i i started getting help from which I felt alone so many times and then now that I was doing this I started to get some help so my inner world was changing and so as my outer world was changing and and that was making me feel good you know about myself and may, it started making me feel like you know what I, I do can achieve things in life you know like I'm not that bad of a guy and you know like there is there is more to life than than what I think it is. There's more, you know what I mean? Like, there's more to it. And I became more curious. And I started like, okay, why not, you know, go afterwards? But also, I must say, like, since I'm a very spiritual guy, this also started to put my intuition and my uh, uh, other things that I suffered before in life that I didn't know and nobody knew how to explain it to me. Uh, it started to make more sense. For example, the day, two days before the race, I was like, I guarantee I'm not going to run this marathon. I knew it on top of my head. I was like, I'm not going to be able to run. But I knew that that was going to be good for me. So. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because your intuition guided you to this Ironman experience you were able to make it through, even though you weren't knew you weren't going to be a top performer. You knew that you would be able to test your metal. You'd be able to make it through, and you'd learn something new. You'd access this deeper part of you that that was was previously um, dormant and, and undiscovered. And then, at what point were you like how how did how did that inner knowing that that like you said being able to tap into your intuition. How did that sort of shape the coming years as you continue to engage with, with Iron Man's? Because I know you developed the nickname the Iron Buddha. Was that around this time, or, or was, was yeah, that, that, that was around yeah, that was around this time? Because my first uh, sponsor was uh, a yoga place, and I always meditated. And before my races, I meditated. Before my trainings, I meditated because I wanted to be present, you know, and not be. And that's a curious thing that you said that because. Uh, uh, I wanted to be present because I didn't want to train with the voices in my head saying that I was stupid, that I was a worthless piece of shit, that, you know, like I wanted to train without those demons because I wanted to understand where they were coming from. And uh, uh, um, so meditation, you know, since a kid, a kid, I meditated, but meditation was a big part of uh especially in the beginning of my Ironman, because that's what I went for. I went for to, I didn't went for, go for, for fame or being a famous athlete or to look good or anything like that. I went for wisdom, you know, because it all started with a dream. So I was like, the only thing I can get from it is pretty much wisdom. You know, like I, I, I don't see myself as having a talent or anything like that. I just, you know, wanted to explore uh, uh, that I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand what was going on with me, uh, and that uh, and that tapped me into something else. You know that throughout my life and with my son now, it, it helps me tremendously, which is my intuition. It's 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 annoying sometimes because society doesn't really. Uh, I don't know if they they don't accept that or they don't see as a valuable uh, reason or a valuable 
a valuable asset to have. But for me, it's the most valuable thing, especially for me that, you know, I ended up choosing not to go to college. That's my, that's my thing. You know what I mean? That that's what guided me life. And that's what it gave me, uh, 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 gave me a sense of purpose and gave me, in the end, gave me love, you know, like gave me the love that I was always looking for it and never really had it. So, wow. Like the inner love now, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. around me, they, they love, but the inner love that I didn't have, uh, that's what it got me. And, and that's what actually was, I, I was looking for in my journey through Ironman. I wanted to learn how to love myself. That's deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's deep, man. You just went deep with that one. That's, that's an amazing story. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. That's all right. That's great. Yeah. That's uh, really awesome. So, okay. We can, we can, do you want to continue to, to talk about your, your Ironman journey and, and how you went on to do, you know, another 17 of them? Um, or I don't know how detailed you want it. You want to go into that, um, or if, or if there's something more that that you're being called to 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 talk about. Given uh, we just had a landed on on intuition. Is your intuition guiding you to to talk more about um, the Ironman experience and how you how you continued on that journey, or or is there something else that that's coming to mind? I don't. I, it's up to you. But I one thing I would like to add um, is. During my Ironman time, you know, like I, I was still confused and I was trying to, to figure it out. And I thought that my dream was about winning, you know, like so at one point in life, I was like, I need to do everything to do possible to win. And that includes, of course, diet, because, you know, nutrition is a big part of it. And because I was so addicted to it, I started trying different diets and I was so obsessed uh, with my weight, I wanted to be as light as I could be, uh, even though part, most of my weight was emotional weight more than anything else. Uh, but then I started to try veganism and, and all of that stuff, and which makes it worse because I started to get uh, sick, uh, you know. And and it's funny because like even when I when I went vegan, I got to my lowest weight ever, and I was six percent body fat. But to understand how that emotional weight works is even at 6% body fat, I was still afraid of running without a shirt because I didn't think I was fit enough. You know, like that, that's how fucked up the emotional part can be, you know, because I wasn't even con like I wasn't the body that I ever always freaking wanted in life. <laughs> and I still felt like the piece of shit and uh, 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 and a fatty inside, you know, like, and and that was really like mindfuck. And and after I won the first race, I was like, this is not it. Winning is not what I'm looking for. Uh, even though my my dream it has to do with it, it, the dream that I had before an Ironman, my first Ironman, I was actually winning one. And I thought that it was the fact of I was actually winning, but in now it was much deeper than that. And even that throughout the career, my career, I had one race that I was going to just explode the the the, uh, the local race uh, record, and I didn't. My tire exploded, and then after that, I, I was trying to understand. I was like, "Fuck, man! It's like, what am I doing wrong? You know, like I was." so good and ready to just crush and that's when i realized like winning wasn't wasn't it it was something else and that's when we started talking about fatherhood uh becoming a dad and stuff and believe it or not a year later i won that race as my last ironman and six months before my son was born and then i was like Things started to make sense in my life after that dream happened. Uh, and it was basically all the work that I put it in uh, from my first Ironman 
to the last one, that's when things finally clicked in my life. And I was like, okay, now I'm starting to understand. And yes, even though I won, winning was just basically icing on a cake. It was basically like a, a confirmation of like, okay, your path in Ironman is done now. You're, you, you fulfilled your purpose in terms of Ironman. And now it's time to move on to another phase in life. And, but I, for a long time, I thought like, oh, winning is everything. I need to win to, to show that I'm good enough, you know, to prove that I'm good enough. And I won. And then like, I still like feel like shit inside. <laughs> I remember sitting in the car looking at the trophy and then I look in the, the rear of the mirror like, like it didn't change how I feel in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like it didn't change how I feel inside. And I thought that winning was going to change the whole, my whole inner world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, a lot, a lot happened in, in this time of your life. You went from someone who could not even dream of, of, doing an Ironman to, to completing one, to actually winning one. And along the way, it sounds like you've had some struggles with, with nutrition. Um, that's, did you figure that out? It sounded like veganism did some harm to your body. It wasn't what you were led to believe. Um, and when you, when you began, did you change your nutrition habits to, to up-level, to, to bring your body to, to the place where you could win an Ironman? What did that change look like? Uh, yeah, like on that race that I was, that I was ready to crush the record, it was a race that I actually did uh, pretty much carnivore. I had like almost no, no, no veggies at all. And I actually ate uh, uh, bacon on transition from, from the back of the run. And I had the best run of the day, you know, like I... That that race was incredible because I I was in first and my tire blew up, and then I waited 45 minutes for a new tire. So when the new tire got in, I was so mad and I think I was on I don't know 15th place. So I start hammering the bike like a freaking maniac. I'm like I gotta catch every single motherfucker in here. <laughs> and then I delivered the bike in fourth, and then I start running like a maniac, man, and I finish. In second, I think it was three minutes after the first guy. Um, so I was like really good shape. And then after I won the, 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 the last one and my son was born, uh, I, I kind of got into another storm. I felt bad and guilty and things like that. So I tried going vegan again. Um, and I was like, no, it's, that, that doesn't feel right. But I was like, because I started to, I was anxious. I started to eat again. And then I was like, well, maybe vegan will get me uh, skinny. And at the same time, I was trying to, to raise awareness for my son's condition by uh, uh, pedal boarding. And I, I was feeling like, like crap. I was training for, in, the initial idea was a 200-mile pedalboard, but it ended up just being a 24 hours because I didn't get enough support. But I, uh, um, I was training, and I was like, that doesn't feel right. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it the proper way. So I went back to burning fat as fuel and uh, eating meat again. And I ended up doing the 24-hour uh, uh, pedalboarding. And after that, I, I was like, you know what? I need a break. I'm very burnt out. I need to put my head in place. And I started putting my head in place. And then I started making my diet even more simple. And not totally carnivore. Because I, I, I mean, I love barbecue. But uh, I like to eat some veggies. And I like to eat some fruits here and there. I like to mix it up. I like to cook. I like to bake with real food and things like that. So I started to like, okay, what can I do now? And I started, and then on therapy, I started to go deeper on my emotional and spiritual stuff. And my intuition started clicking, like, you know, after that dream, my intuition got, and that was one of the, actually the problems why I started getting anxious and started eating again, because my intuition started coming, like, so strong, and I was scared of that. And I, you know, and 
I was like, you know, I just need to come down. And I actually was put on uh, citrulline on that time for depression. And I was taking medicine and I was already uh, 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 dealing with hypothyroidism. So I was like, I need to really slow down life as much as possible and really figure that out. And that's when, you know, fast forward, we're already in 2020, that story. And 2020, that's when I... I really slowed down. I cleaned up my diet. I really went. I went deeper as I could be to on my on my therapy, and I started to to do music, which was, you know, my childhood dream pretty much since I was born. You know, I wanted, always wanted to play the guitar, so I started doing that dream, and which which it was based on uh, on uh, 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 we're already like going more on the spiritual topic here but it was based on a, a vision that I had during a meditation you know like when my son was in a hostel I had this uh, 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 I went to a Reiki circle and during the meditation I saw my grandmother and my grandmother was like listen you need to fly kid you know you need to you need to just go for it and I remember I couldn't go. And my, my grandma was like, you know what? She was pushing me and then I would keep going and then hitting. Something was just holding me back. And I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. So when I slowed down life, I started to figure it out. And I remember uh, one thing that my grandma used to say, like, uh, those who sing, put your uh, uh, vows away. And then I was like, okay, maybe... I should really finally start accessing my 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 music and, and that childhood dream and start really loving that child that was traumatized. And once I started doing that, man, it was incredible. Like I was able to get out of citrulline. I was able to get out of centroid for hypothyroidism and I barely work out and I have, I'm in the best shape of my life, even better than when I did Ironman. Like I, my weight, it's, it's stable. I had no problem running around without a shirt, you know, like things just flip in a, in a, in a way that I was like, holy shit. I never thought I could live to feel like this again. You know, like I never thought I could feel this way again, you know? And again, I, I never thought I could love myself uh, that that much, and and it's cra- It's funny because when I started this process, I never thought that reversing my thyroid and reversing my my depression was actually possible. I thought that I was going to have to deal with that with the rest of my life, you know. And I was looking. Iron Man was actually a tool to help me uh, dealing with that. And then now, like, okay, my body's tired. I wanted to do something else. Um, what can I do to help to to deal with it? And then kind of like doing an inner child work, I I ended up tapping to something way bigger than I, I expected. And all based on intuition, you know, especially like on 2020. 2020, I was having dreams of friends' names. Uh, from childhood, so like you should talk to that person, and then I will wake up and I will go to Facebook and I was like, let me Google that person, let me find them, and I will find it and I will start talking and that talk will give you me an insight for my healing, and then I will dream of another friend's name and then so on and so forth and I kind of went investigating like this, and when I saw I was like I healed myself I was like what the fuck, and then the beginning of this year my therapist said like. Uh, and this was like six months after I wrote the book. My therapist said, like, hey, you know what? You're free to go. I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, man. Like, uh, you, you, you're good to live your life now. You don't, you, I don't think we need to. I think you are in a safe place, you know. Uh, I think you are in a, in, a, in a good spot. And, you know, like, it, it's... It's kind of like it's kind of wild, but in you know like and and even though I didn't have suicidal thoughts anymore, I have a lot of even my wife have PTSD with that of you know like I used to hit myself big time, uh, like really like 
smacks myself. And I remember one day in therapy, I told, I got I got there with a purple, uh, with a black eye because I smashed my head so much here with my hand that kind of went down a little bit. And then I told her like, well, I finally did something right in my life. I feel pain. And then she's like, that's not good. I was like, really? That's not good. <laughs> uh, but I had like episodes like this. Uh, and unfortunately, my wife has PTSD from it. But uh, but it was like all of a sudden and things just click. And since then, I didn't have an episode. You know, like I, of course, we don't have perfect days all days. Like today is a good example, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, because shit happens. But, you know, like that despair, that feeling of worthless and that despair of, I don't know, like it, it doesn't happen anymore, man. It, it like is completely gone. And, and reflected physically, which is, for me, is the most incredible thing on earth. <laughs> you know, like I could never, you know, you hear, you know, you read, I, I read books of metaphysics and shit like that, but, you know, like, Technically, a book is a theory that not necessarily is going to reflect it physically, and, and it did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's incredible. So your grandma said, those who sing put their woes away, and, and you're really tapping into the, the healing power of, of music and intuition and spirituality in, in, in this phase of your life, and you're experiencing the benefits firsthand, and, and there is one... One part of what you said that I'd like to circle circle back to when I don't know if you noticed this, but the, the lights went out when, when you were when you were talking and right as you said the birth of my son, the light went on. And and I also reflected that in your story as, as well. I know that the, the birth of your son was, was a big moment for you. You had wanted to be a father and um, when he was born, you it seemed like to me, and I'm curious what your perspective is, it seemed like you were in the tap into this this new fuel of love to win your first Ironman. Did it feel like your son, the birth of your son, gave you an, an extra level to, to tap into it to, to win your race? Where Was he pushing you along in a way um, during this Oh, process? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he... Like, he, he has a muscle condition, as you know, and uh, we didn't know anything about it. But I... That, that race, I raced it with his uh, x-ray picture, uh, uh, x-ray or no, uh, ultrasound picture on my bike and on, on my shorts on the run. So he, he fueled he, he me that, uh, that, like that entire race, you know, like I was, I was racing. That's why like when I won, it did, I didn't even matter because I was racing basically for him. Uh, you know, not for me. I was just like, listen, this is my last Ironman. I want to have fun and I want to be a present dad. Uh, so that's that's what I'm here for. And it's it's incredible. And then the incredible thing is 2012, I did my first, uh, my first Reiki section ever. And, uh, um, and then on that section, which it was on my birthday, which is summer solstice uh, for like coincidence. And I remember the lady said like, oh, it's very smart of you to do a, 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 a Reiki section on the summer solstice. And I was like, it's just my birthday, you know, like my wife gave it to me the present as a Reiki section. And then on that Reiki section was wild, but wild. The lady Finish. She said, "Like, listen, I never seen anything like that, but it felt like you were having a graduation, a spiritual graduation." And then I was like, "Okay." Yeah. And after that, that was when the, the 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 seed of maybe becoming a dad was planted. And and boy, it's like when I it felt like when I won and my son was born, it felt like okay, now I'm into to something bigger. You know, like I'm into something. Uh, it's almost like now it's time to. I don't know. It's almost like it felt like I graduated and I have a bigger mission now uh, uh, as a dad. You know, not not the world and anything like that. It's just like for myself and for my family. And you know, like and and I remember too. It's like I had a conversation before. 
when we were deciding to have a baby, uh, and my, my wife is a lawyer, you know, in Dali, Brazil, so, and she, he or she doesn't act like a lawyer, but she's a lawyer, she thinks like a lawyer, right? So we were having this conversation uh, if we were going to have kids or not. So you put in the pros and cons and things like that. But then she looked to me and said, like, okay, we can have a baby, but you promised me that you're going to deal with your depression. And then I said, like, okay, I promise you. And it, it's incredible because I finished the race, I won the race, and then I got into this mission of, like, I got to solve my fucking depression. And six years later, I fucking solved it. And then, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting, I was, I was expecting just to manage, you know, and I actually ended up solving and I was like, okay, what the fuck I do with this now? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I said, I ended up tapping into something way bigger than I expected, way bigger, you know? Yeah, it certainly seemed like it. I'd like to read a, a quick passage just on, on, the, on the, the birth of your son as well that I found really interesting. Then on the label of the incubator in which he had been transported between hospitals, I read the date June 21st, 2016. That is my birthday, which seemed like a clear sign that things would get better. Everything would be fine. Luke wouldn't leave the neonatal ICU until 11 months later with many exams and tests that I thought anyone could handle. The diagnosis, nemaline myopathy, a rare genetic condition that affects the formation of muscle tone, which meant more dependence than other children of their age to meet the most basic needs. According to doctors, Luke demanded so much care that the recommendation was to keep him in hospital room close to equipment that could help him in case of an emergency. That was out of the question. At home, a room decorated with the Star Wars theme awaited him. So was Bolt, who was always in the room resting, waiting for his younger brother. And, and Bolt is your dog that had a, a bit of a mishap this morning, but is luckily all right. And when I read that back uh, about the, the birth of Luke, what, what goes through your mind? What was that moment like having a deal with, with all of that? I mean, 11 months in the ICU is a long time. Yeah, man. Uh, it it, it was a mixed emotions, I'll be honest. It was very uh, mixed emotion, but at the same time, it brought me to what is important in life, you know. Uh, and and it's funny because the, you know, I like like you read in my book. I was always being like spiritual sensitive and things like that. And his birth, man, like because he was born and he was difficulty he had the difficulty breathing, so he was baby like brought to life, back to life, right there at the belly, you know, like in the first second. And when I, when he was born, the doula said to me, it's like, he needs to hear a familiar voice. So I went to him and said, like, that is here. And, you know, it's very hard for him to move, as we all know. And he grabbed my finger, like, just like that. And at that moment, I felt like, well, first of all, it felt like everything I ever believed in life, is real, meaning like we all have a soul. And that kind of like brought me a light that I was like, okay, you know, like, so this is kind of like, at least it's real for me, you know, and all of that stuff, I was like, okay, everything I ever believed was real. So that was very like emotionally overwhelming. And then right at the beginning, which is funny, cause I got to, to the, to the hostel, like he got transferred to another hostel to the, with the NICU, cause they had more, uh, what do you call, uh, more specialists on this other hostel, which it was like an hour away from my house. And I, you uh, know, uh, I, I was scared and stuff. So they came to me, so like, do you want any religious practice? And then I was being a dick. I said like, well, you got any Reiki master in here? And then the lady said, like, we actually do. I was like, fuck off, man. It's like, well, then I want Reiki. Well, that was a whole coincidence. Like, yeah, we have a nurse that it's a Reiki master. I was like, okay. And then I requested Reiki, and I started doing meditations with him and stuff like that. So I, And I always look for signs. And on the first day, I remember sitting down, and I look at the label. The last time that the, the incubator was clean was on my birthday. And then I was like, man, this is like... A huge coincidence because it was two weeks ago, you know, and then I look at it I'm like, yeah, maybe there is there is a purpose to this and maybe it's going to be all right. And and that's when I started to trust 
my intuition even more. Uh, so it, it brought me, you know, like it brought me something. But those 11 months total, it was like, it was insane. But when that happened, I was like, you know what? I forget about everything. I just got to move close to the hospital. And, you know, everything was secondary on that time. Work, anything. I was like, my, I just going to dedicate myself and my love to him. And, and that's how he got out of the hospital, man. And we were off there many times like, oh, he needs to go to a institution or something. I was like, no, man, he's my kid. He's... His place is in my house. I don't care how he came to this world, but he came in this way. And a lot of the things I, and that's another freaky thing, because a lot of the things I learned in Ironman, endurance and nutrition and all of that helps him. You know, like I created exercises. He's doing movements that doctors know ever, uh, never ever expected. I remember uh, 2020, the doctor said, look, oh, his spine is fucked up and he's too weak to be to have surgery. And then there's nothing you can do about it. I looked at him, I was like, what do you mean there's nothing I can do about it? Of course, there, there's always something you can do about it. The only thing you can't do is for death, but everything else, you can't fucking do it. So I created some exercises. Three months later, man, his curve was like five degrees better. And then the doctor's like, I don't know how you did it. I'm like, I don't know either. I Like, I know, but, you know... <laughs> I just know there is more, more to life than you can actually expect. And that doesn't mean that it's nothing you can do about it. There is more that you can do about it. And that's what I'm doing. So, so it's, it's, it's a freaky, it's a freaky story to be honest, but which I, I often ask, ask myself, why me, this wild punk that, you know, just decided to tell the world to fuck off and, you know, this blessing come in the skies, uh, 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 like blessing in a way that it's like, you know, dreams and all of that stuff happening. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of wild, but absolutely wild and, and a really powerful, powerful story from from start to finish. And it's certainly inspiring to hear from you what you've gone through and how you're handling. You've gone to conquering the Iron Man and then conquering the the wild man within yourself and, and becoming a man of, of iron, a man of light, a man of love. And really appreciate you taking your time to, to share all this story w with me here today. I really enjoyed this. And is, is there anything else that you'd like to share with, with the audience or say before, before we go on our way? Uh, oh, thank you. And thank you for your, your words and your, your honesty. And thank you for having me, uh, on your show. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm truly like, I, I, I swear I got goosebumps when you told me that you were doing podcast and I don't know, because we had that talk before and I kind of, you know, uh, uh, in a way motivated you to do some more art and express yourself. And I, I, I don't know if it helped you or not, but I, I can see that you are shining, you know, through your videos and, and through your smile. Uh, and, and it's, it's awesome to see that. And one thing I would like to tell people is like, life is more than what you think it is, man. Don't be afraid of exploring, you know, don't be afraid of getting outside. Well, you can't be afraid. It's, it's no shame on being afraid, but, uh, face, face your, your fears and face and face that because the reward it's, it's, it's more than you think. And it's not about, a reward about being a millionaire or having a mention on the internet that is a reward i don't know i think self-love there's no better reward than self-love to be honest you know like i think that feeling uh that internal feeling uh it's is more than than anything you can ask in life and that really really uh overflows you know, like like in the ripple effect, and I noticed this with with my family. And one of the reasons why I do this, and why one of the reasons why you should love yourself and seek for self love, is because you cannot truly love someone 
unless you love yourself you know like you can't pour from an empty cup this is a reality and it, i think it's a reality that the world needs to face it you know like if you don't feel comfortable yourself you're not gonna feel comfortable any place if you are an asshole with yourself you're gonna be an asshole you know with with the majority of people around you so you need to you need to love yourself in order to be able to love others and if you want if you want a more, more loving uh world more loving planet earth uh you you need to love yourself there's no there's no other way around it and it's not the easiest thing in the world but it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> beautiful well said from the iron buddha himself and thanks again for your time today and hope you have a great great rest of your day thank you man you too i appreciate it